Proverbs 31. Some preachers are afraid to preach about money. I am afraid to preach about mothers. The only other preacher uh, is, is, is amening that. Well, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to Bob later on, on what he says, too. There's something about this text that's tough. I've actually never preached on this text, if you want to know the truth, because I'm, I'm sort of afraid of it. I, in all seriousness, I am. Because it's like, how do you preach this? Be like, hey, ladies, um, you know, if you're not getting up making breakfast early, uh, you're just not quite toeing the mark. Um, is that the message of the text? I, I was actually polling as women would come through the office, I would like stop them and I'd say, tell me what you think about Proverbs 31. And I got a lot of responses. In the vein that went something like this, you know, I already feel guilty enough about all of my shortcomings. What do I need the Proverbs 31 woman up in my business for? <laughs> what, what are you going to be reading that on Mother's Day for? Because it just reminds me of all that I'm not. I mean, you know, the Proverbs 31 woman today, she's dropping her kids off at preschool, right? All the other moms just got out of bed. They got their workout clothes on. They're going to be going to the gym. This lady, she's been to the gym. She's made breakfast already. She's dressed ready for work the kids are coming out and they're like they're, they're saying the the end of the book of matthew because they've been memorizing it uh, on the way to school all every day this year and you're like man we were just lucky to get in the van and have a pop tart and be here <laughs> so what's up with this you know you look at this text and at first you are tempted to say yes this is for all you ladies And this is what you ought to be doing. But if you consider Scripture's audience, particularly the Old Testament, it would have been written primarily to men. It had been written to men. You know, women weren't studying the Scripture at this time. So so maybe instead of it being sort of like a checklist for for, uh, women to do, maybe it's a checklist for men as they're about to uh, get married. You know, it could be sort of a list, sort of like this is what your wife should be. You know, and if she's going to... fulfill all these things she she comes up to proverbs 31 and as you kind of go through it you maybe you're interviewing potential you know potential uh mates and you're thinking well uh does your lamp not go out at night do you stay up late working because that would be that'd be helpful uh do you know what a distaff and a spindle is do you do you make your own yarn because buying it is so expensive it'd be so much better if you would make your own yarn um are we all to be clothed in crimson and you could kind of go through this and give your potential uh, wife a, uh, a grade. You know, you could say, well, you're not quite Proverbs 31, but like maybe a 23, you know, <laughs> on a scale from 0 to 31. You're not there, but you're close. You know, this could work. Is that how we're to understand this text? I would say that it also is incorrect. Um, I actually had a, a woman open this text for me uh, as she shared some exegetical thoughts from it. She said, you know, you've got to pay attention to how women show up in the book of Proverbs because Proverbs is very consistent throughout. Uh, we know that these are not all Solomon's Proverbs. You know, if you come back to chapter uh, 31, it says these are the words of King uh, Lemuel. So this is a collection. And an editor has put this book together and has, has put, you know, different collections of sayings, different collections of Solomon, all these sorts of things. They've come together into this book of Proverbs. And it's been structured in a particular way. 
If you go back to the very beginning of the book of Proverbs, you see a wise woman. And she has a lot of um, time there in the narrative. And she is said to be calling out on the streets, inviting people essentially to come to salvation as they come to wisdom. And that she was active in the creation and all these sorts of things. And Christian scholars have gone back and looked and said, you know what, Lady Wisdom or Sophia here in the text of Proverbs sounds an awful lot like Christ. And it's true, we get a very Christ-like picture, a picture of who Christ is from Lady Wisdom in Proverbs. We're introduced to another woman in the book of Proverbs, and it's uh, the foolish woman or the adulterous woman. And she shows up in chapter 7, and she's the kind of woman that you don't bring home to mama. And... And if you're smart, she's the kind of woman you don't bring home. And if you're real smart, she's the kind of woman you don't go near her house either. Matter of fact, you just stay away. And so you've got these two women sort of put together. One's sort of the hero, one's the villain. Lady Wisdom, Lady Folly. And you've got all this wisdom that comes together. And then you come to the end of the book, chapter 31, and you start to read about this amazing woman, uh, the a capable wife, according to the New Revised Standard Version. And so perhaps instead of a checklist for either women or men uh, about to marry, maybe what this text is saying isn't that you've got to live this way. Maybe what the text is saying is that this would be a good way, not just for women to live, but for everybody to live. Maybe this would just be a wise way to live, according to the Proverbs. And that leads us to one other thing, too. We've got to consider Proverbs. Proverbs are Proverbs. And today, the word we would probably use best with it would be principle. You know, it's a principle to live by. It's not something you're going to do 100% of the time. You're going to fall short of it, that's to be sure. But it's a principle. It's not a prototype. You know, this Proverbs 31 woman wasn't made and say, everybody else should be made like this. Mm -mm. It's principles that all can live by. Men... Women, mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, single, you get the point. Not only is it not a prototype, but it's also not a promise. Some people come to the book of Proverbs and say, you know what, if I just work harder, if I do all these things, if I learn how to make my own yarn, and if I, I, if I have wisdom and kindness on my tongue and I, I'm not lazy, then my life will turn out the way that, that I want it to. It's also not that, unfortunately. But what this is, is it's a principle that if you live this way, you'll get the most out of life. And so the reason I had the the crew read that earlier is because I want to talk a little bit more about this proverb and the way we might understand it. Um, And so, but before we do that, I'm going to need a husband and a wife to help me here. Um, It won't be too embarrassing. The last people said they would come back to church still. Um, Eight o'clock. Come on, don't be shy. Husband and wife, I need... They're, they're, oh, oh, good. Here we go. A newly wed couple. I'm, I'm sort of afraid for you. He volunteered, she didn't. Okay, all right. So here, Charles and Gabby, here you go. Now here's, here's you, you didn't even know what you were going to do. Okay, is this, is this on? Hello. Oh, you sh- and you should be. You should be. You should always be afraid when you volunteer for things you don't know what you're about to do. Is this going to work for us, Mr. Bryce? I think it will. Okay. All right, Charles, here's what's going to happen. You're going to give Gabby a series of compliments. Okay. And then, Gabby, at the end of this, you're going to tell me which ones you like the best. 
Okay. Okay. Good. I'm, remember, I'm being told to say. Good. This. Good. No, 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 no. That's it. That's the end of you can't. Don't don't do this now. Okay. Here we go. All right. So say, Gabby, I think that you are excellent. Gabby, I think you are excellent. Excellent. Very good. Okay. That's compliment number one. Number two. Gabby, I think you are a good woman. Gabby, I think you are a good woman. All right, good. There we go. Number three. Gabby, I think you are valorous. Gabby, I think you are valorous. Okay, good. All right. (laughs) We'll go with that. Number four. Gabby, I think you are virtuous. Gabby, I think you are virtuous. All right, how about this one? Gabby, I think you're efficient. Gabby, I think you are efficient. Okay. All right, which did you like the most of those? Which is virtuous. virtuous, good. Which one did you like the least? You're like, really? Efficient. Efficient. Okay, great. You can go sit down. Thank you. Let's thank them. Yeah. I would put money on this, that if you went and got greeting cards today for your mother, because you, you, you put it off till today, um, I'll see you there, and... Um, <laughs> That if you got there, there's probably nothing in there that said, Mom, gosh, you're so efficient. When I think of you, I think of efficiency. It's not a real romantic word. It's not a real charming word. This is just another page to the sermon. I didn't want to think like it was like a hostage note or anything. Um, I, I was afraid when he was coming up with a piece of paper. Where were we? Uh, efficiency. Sorry, we're back. It happens. <laughs> Honey, you're so efficient. Now, in the text here, we come, and, and all of those words I had Charles say to Gabby are all the words that this way is translated into English. That's how broad the spectrum is, and there's more to it than that. Excellent, valorous, virtuous, capable, according to the New Revised Standard. And it's that word capable that I think gets the heart of Proverbs 31, And I want to offer another one. I want to offer the word efficient. I know capable and efficient are about the same word. I know they're about synonyms. But but there's something I like about this word efficient when it comes to this translation. Efficient, if you look at Webster, according to the English, it says this. uh, Efficiency or efficient is productive of desired effects. In other words, they're able to get things done. They're capable especially productive without waste, productive without waste. And I think that gets at this here because efficiency really means that you make the most of everything. If somebody's an efficient worker and they're making something, you don't see by their workstation enough material that you can make four or five others of the same kinds of things that they've been making because they've wasted it. We'd say that's a very inefficient worker. Or if they couldn't get things done, we'd say that's a very inefficient worker. But if they're able to work and you look at the waste afterwards and you go, man, you just you made use of everything. Every moment, every, every material, every product that was brought to you, you made use of it all. You were very efficient. And I think when we come to the Proverbs 31 woman as an example for all of us men and women, that, that efficiency means to make the most of everything. And that's what we're called to do. I want to give you a few other places. The same word shows up in Proverbs. Proverbs 13, 22 and Proverbs 12, 4. Uh, we read this, that the good, that's the same word, efficient, leave an inheritance to their children's children, 
but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. What is this saying? It says that the efficient person, somebody who's, you know, in this sense, obviously dealing with finances, they're a good budgeter, uh, they're productive at work, they know what they're doing, they know how to make money, they know how to save money, they know how to invest money, they're efficient, they're not wasting their money. When they, they end their life, there's going to be something left over because they didn't use it all. They were efficient. They saved it. You come to Proverbs 12, 4, it says a good wife, a efficient wife, a capable wife is the crown of her husband. But she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. You get the sense here that this capable or efficient wife is the crown of her husband, but an incapable or inefficient wife causes him to waste away on several levels. Now, in an age that is increasingly suspect of of frugality and simplicity, hard work and focus, I think at the surface level, this poem you know, is a good reminder of the, the value of virtue and sweat and all of those sorts of things. Reminding us that it all, in fact, adds up. That we should make the most of everything because it all adds up. It all means something. And that's what the Proverbs 31, I think, reminds us of. That, that the moments we have and the tasks we do and the people that we surround ourselves with are not disposable commodities that we can afford to waste. In our time, we see that TV repairmen have closed up shop. Why? Because you don't fix broken TVs anymore. That era is gone. I'm going to predict that in about 10 years, the Maytag man will be a mythical creature from a time when it used to make sense to fix appliances. But it doesn't anymore. And it's not just things. If you don't like your spouse in the state of Kentucky, for less than $200, you can get a legal divorce. Although it often costs much more than that. People are disposable commodities. Friends can be unfriended. And new ones can be made through friend requests. And now you are friends. It seems so easy. And yet there's something inside of us that we go, you know what? It doesn't really work like that, does it? It doesn't quite work that way. Something deep down tells us that all of these things matter just a little bit more than they do on the surface level. Let's look at this Proverbs 31 wife just briefly. You know, I'd love to go through the whole text. We don't have time to do it all, but let's just look at how she's described. She is the capable wife. I'm going to use efficient wife. Who can find she is far more precious than jewels The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. What does it take to build up trust and value with somebody? You're not going to meet somebody for the first time today and say, you know what, I really trust that person. I really value that person. Value and trust come with time. Husbands and wives build it up in small, quiet moments as husband shares his secrets with his wife. Maybe it's a secret dream and she protects that and she guards that for him. And maybe the wife shares something that's that's embarrassed her and, and hurt her and he keeps that a secret. And as they share these things, they build trust with each other in small, quiet moments. This Proverbs 31 a woman, this, this lady wisdom, she realizes 
that throughout her life she's going to be given five-minute, 10-minute, 15-minute opportunities to build trust and to invest in that person, into that relationship. And she seizes them. She's efficient because she knows that they all add up. They all have meaning. And we've got to make the most of the time that we spend because it adds up for good or for bad. Why else is it that some couples... When they face the empty nest, they look at each other and they realize, I don't know this person that I live with. Who are you? What happened? Well, they were given the same set of 5 and 10 and 15 minutes that every couple gets. But, but when they got those 5 or 10 or 15 minute increments, they invested the majority of them in the hobby room or the majority of them on the computer, or the majority of them running off on a quick errand. And all of those added up into a great chasm of indifference. They took the same time they had, and they didn't make the most of it. While other couples will fall deeper in love and become more intimate in their knowledge of each other because they take those minutes to share and invest in their spouse. It all adds up. Simple actions start to build up. We read about Lady Wisdom. She is, she is really talented. She's working with the wool, and she's working with the flax, and she works with willing hands. She does a lot of small things. And if you kind of look, follow how this, this thing goes, she starts with wool and flax, and then she's got the spindle and the distaff. So she's taking literally just raw wool, and she's then turning it into yarn, and then she turns that yarn into fabric. And the same thing with the flax, which she turns into linen, which she then turns into a, a piece that can be sold. She, she starts this whole process from beginning to end. She's incredibly productive. You know, we might say, well, wouldn't it, have been, you know, wouldn't it have been more time efficient for you to just go to the market and buy yarn or go to the market and buy cotton that's already been refined? And she says, no, everything adds up. Everything adds up. And so she looks at these domestic duties, whether it's cleaning or, or sewing or, or any of those kinds of things. And she says, you know what, all of these things help to build up the home. She delights, the text gets at, in providing the best for her loved ones, including breakfast that people will eat quickly and then hurry out the door. And we might all go, well, what does it matter? I mean, whether you sit down and have breakfast or you grab a Pop-Tart and get out the door, I mean, what does it matter? She says all of these things matter. Every moment matters. All of this time matters. And she makes the most out of it. And I would say we need to make the most out of it, whether it's in the van with the Pop-Tart or at the breakfast table with a bowl of cereal. Let us not look at any of these moments as disposable. Let us be called into cherishing them and to valuing them. Proverbs 14.1 tells us the wise woman builds her house, and same thing's true of husbands, but the foolish tear it down with their own hands. It all adds up. And it's not just at home. You come down here, we read that she is buying a field. You know, at this time, it would have not really been legal for a woman to go out and buy and own property. And yet she's somehow invested in the economy. She works. She has a job. She's selling things to merchants. Her, her husband is, is known in civic leadership. Why? Because she's helped to put him there. That's the implication. Men, don't, don't, miss, don't miss that. Don't, don't miss that. 
but she's invested, whether it's at home or whether it's in the marketplace. She knows that her time is valued, that it's paid for. And so she makes the most of it for her employer because she knows it all adds up. Trustworthiness and productivity means success. Small things. We often look at those moments and we go, this is, what does this matter? Well, this seems to be a disposable amount of time. It might even be a waste of my time sitting here and cutting coupons. It's a waste of my time to, to sit here and listen to this one more time. I've heard this before from, from, from them. Why do they keep needing to talk about these things? Is this a good use of my time uh, to do all these things? When well, I could maybe do this a little bit simpler and easier it might cost a little bit more, but this seems to be a waste. The Proverbs 31 woman reminds all of us, men and women, that every moment matters. That it all adds up and that we should be efficient people making the most of the time. Proverbs 31 closes out with these last two verses. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her a share in the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the city gates. We see that in a world that wants instant wealth, instant recognition, instant success, instant beauty thanks to Photoshop, uh, Lady Wisdom reminds us that these things don't come overnight, but rather as a sum total of our life choices. The first of which is what? The fear of the Lord. The, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and understanding. And so this morning, as we consider the small moments of our life, let us all be challenged to make the most of them because every moment matters. Albert Lexi's a man, I think, who has understood this and illustrated it for the rest of us. For 30 years, he has shined shoes at Pittsburgh Children's Hospital. He's taken a couple buses each way to get there. So he can knock the dirt off people's shoes, buff and polish them for $5 is all he charges. Sometimes people leave him a tip, a dollar, two, five. He remembers one time somebody gave him $50 during the Christmas season, but it doesn't happen a lot. 30 years, he shines shoes. And we might go, well, what does that really matter? But it's funny because they actually ran an entire news story. He went national on the news. Because for 30 years, he's given every tip he's ever made to the Pittsburgh Children's Hospital. And over 30 years, he's given the equivalent, uh, the, the, the exact amount, a little over $200,000. And if you look at how much that is out of his income, it's not quite half, but it gets close. For 30 years. This man has said, you know what, a dollar here? Five dollars here. I'm going to put this together. I'm going to do what I can. And he gave the amount of money that normally we would say professional athletes and philanthropists give, not shoeshine men. And yet it all adds up, which is why we've got to make the most of everything that God gives to us. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for this text. We thank you for the reminder that nothing we do, Lord, is wasted or should be wasted. God, instead of guilt, Lord, would we look at this text and be inspired to, to make the most of everything that we do?
times when nobody else sees, getting up earlier, staying up late to finishing a project. God, it's not wasted if we do it for you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would, would help us to see that. Help us to see how valuable each moment of our lives is. And then, Lord, to follow the example of Lady Wisdom as we make the most of them. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.